very warm welcome to Joe Shapcott, who is patron of Medicine Unboxed, um, who I'm a huge fan of, and who um, is going to sit with us today and just think about the imagination. So we've talked this morning a bit about um, how reason um, discovers knowledge, I think, and accepted that there may be some cracks in the edifice of reason. Um, and just wondering really then, what if we've got reason to find knowledge, what actually the imagination is or what it's, what it's for, Joe? Honestly? Honestly. I have no effing idea. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, I'm, I'm a writer, so this is rather like asking a carpenter, what is her hammer? You know, and she'll say it's the thing I make my work with and I like I make things up <laughs> that's what I do and use my imagination to do that I probably so have some I thoughts mean, yeah. I have some thoughts yeah. about it so I could probably kind of circle around mm. it a bit like a kind of tipsy shark or something like that <laughs> but I you know I don't yes. do this no. from a position of, knowledge. of outside knowledge yes. um, I guess my one thing I've learned about it is that it depends who you're asking mm. Whether you know, whether you're a scientist, whether you're an artist, whoever you are, um, it also depends when you're asking, because the history of people's ideas of the imagination seems to have changed mm. a lot, and I think we're probably in in a new era of understanding about it now. In what way? Um, well, go, can I go back to mm. asking first, and then maybe mm. come? I, mm. I don't know. Mm. I mean, I think none of us know. That's mm. the interesting thing. But we've got new ways of thinking about it to do with, I mean, neuroscience, I mm. think that'll come up later, mm. um, but also to do with, with new, new modes of thinking. Mm. Um, if you ask the dictionary, mm. which is always a good place mm. to go, mm. it, it takes you back to the Latin origin and um, imagination, imago, a copy, a likeness, an image, um, which is quite a two-dimensional way of thinking of it, I think. Mm but quite interesting. And that reminded me of a book I've been reading recently that, that might be of some relevance to us today as well, a book called The Body in Pain by mm. Elaine Scurry, who mm. recreates the imagination or a definition of the imagination in that kind of way, like an image, a likeness, a copy, but as a kind of weird second cousin of pain. Mm. And as I understand her argument, I don't know if I agree with it, but as I understand it, mm. She argues that pain is um, unique in bodily states because it has no object. Mm. So other things like desire, you desire somebody, and I'm not pointing at anyone, honestly. <laughs> or if you're hungry, you're hungry mm. for something, mm. but pain mm. doesn't do that, mm. according to her definition. I wonder if that's quite right because you can have... Can you imagine a feeling? I think you might be able to. You can certainly imagine a feeling about Something. an object. Mm. So, but, but putting that aside, mm. um, the imagination, she says, by contrast, um, works entirely on objects and what's out there because mm. you're creating these objects in your mind. So they're kind of like weird opposite cousins or evil twins of a different, differing kind. And is there something in that, that creation? I've got something here that Jane McNaughton, I think is in the audience, has written in her um, 
book about insight and intuition, about drawing together seemingly unconnected events. And I just wonder what the, the resonances of this are with poetry, for example, things that seem disparate, utterly, yet somehow drawn together to produce something that is different or, or more than the sum of those two. What you're describing is very like metaphor, mm. which, which I think is an important aspect mm. of imagination. If, if indeed imagination is creating these kind of concrete images in our minds, mm. then um, metaphor, what met the two parts of a metaphor mm. do is draw two different ideas about the same thing together. And there's some thought that the more different they are, the more interesting or engaging that metaphor. So I don't know, for example, I might say the moon is an orange, mm. and we can all see that because it's round, it's kind of got that glow. But I don't know, if I say the moon is a skull, that's interesting, and if I put that in my poem, it colours it emotionally mm. as well in a very, very different way. So you, you are making disparate comparisons once yes. you start using that world of image and metaphor. Yes. There, there were two other aspects of the imagination um, which sprang into my mind because of the, the book, The Body in Pain. And actually, again, I hope relevant to us today, related to my own experience mm. as a patient. And I, I was thinking how when you enter that new state, patient, your imagination for everybody starts working, probably working overtime. And certainly for me, it was in two different ways. Um, I, the imagination is a powerful tool for recreating ourselves. That is, we give ourselves an imagined future and then perhaps try and live up to that or do the necessary processes to get there. And it's key to kind of making us enlarged human beings. Uh, but in, with the diagnosis of serious illness, you're in a new state of future projection where you're thinking, okay, if I have two years left... What will my future look like? What will I put into it? What choices will I make if I have five years left, if I have 10 years left, mm. and so on? So that future projecting, that imagination of time, personal time, mm. changes you know, in an instant. Mm. But the second way, and that certainly went on with me, but the second way, strangely more powerful, because that first way didn't creep into my writing very extensively, only maybe as a sense of heightened mortality. Mm. But the second way uh, is to do with the body, because certainly for the patient, the body, while it is the site of this great drama, if you like, that's now erupting, um, it's also a place of darkness mm. and mystery. You mm. cannot see inside your own body, even though it is apparently yours. Whereas people around you claim to do that. Surgeons can see inside it. Uh, we have machines that can see inside it. But you are the one who can't. So my imagination really took off at a sort of cellular level. Mm. What, what were the cells doing here? You know, and trying to uh, reconstruct sensations in terms of processes, you know, in a kind of irreconcilable mm. way, of course. Mm. And that very much crept into my writing. I became intrigued by the cellular world, the microscopic, and how that related to the whole human being. Would that be a good moment to read Yeah, I think something? that's a really good moment to read something. So, 
going to read a poem called Of Mutability, and I guess there, straight away, you do get that overall sense of heightened mortality. Mutability meaning, of course, change, um, mutation, a great word, often seen in terms of darkness and decay and death, but also change has green shoots, and I, I hope in the poem both things are reflected, both sides of change. Change is the only thing that's inevitable, so let's love it. <laughs> of mutability. Too many of the best cells in my body are itching, feeling jagged, turning raw in this spring chill. It's 2004, and I don't know a soul who doesn't feel small among those numbers, razor small. Look down these days to see your feet mistrust the pavement and your blood tests turn the doctor's expression grave. Look up to catch eclipses, gold leaf, comets, angels, chandeliers out of the corner of your eye. Join them if you like. Learn astrophysics or learn folk song, human sacrifice, mortality, flying, fishing, sex without touching much. Don't trouble, though, to head anywhere but the sky. Mm, great. Thank you. So I'm glad you mentioned sex in that one, because <laughs> there's a favourite poem of mine that you have, which is about some slightly dicey sex on a boat, I think. <laughs> Which make, I knew you thought I was going to avoid bringing this up. I know, you no make it sound like a mad happen. sex cruise. Um, <laughs> and the reason this is really interesting is it... it well, uh, perhaps, we, perhaps you could read it and we could just chat about it a bit. Okay. I, 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 <laughs> I honestly can't think of a good reason why Sam wants to put this poem in except to kind of cheer you up on a, no, on a dull morning. I love this for years, this poem. It's, it's great. It does. It's true. You know, health warning contain interspecies sex. Do not try it at home. Um, and what, what happens is, I, the poem is from the point of view of Mrs. Noah. And I guess, thinking about her, I was imagining, I guess, that kind of future projection idea. What, what was the most intense part of her life? Probably on that boat. And that once she got back to land, life would have seemed perhaps safer, but maybe more dull. And so the, with a kind of exaggerated leap, She's looking back on her life on the boat with a little spicy uh, element, as you'll see. Mrs. Noah, taken after the flood. I can't sit still these days. The ocean is only memory, and my memory is fluttery as a lost dove. Now the real sea beats inside me here, where I'd press fur and feathers if I could. I'm middle-aged and plump. Back on dry land, I shouldn't think these things. Big paws, which idly turn to bat the air. My face by his ribs, and the purr which ripples through the boards of the afterdeck. The roar, even at a distance, ringing in my bones. The rough tongue, the claws, the little bites, the crude taste of his mane. If you touched my lips with salt water, I would tell you such words, words to crack the sky and launch the ark again. <laughs> I 
come on. Can, 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 I, can I tell you an anecdote? Mm. Anecdotes yeah, are yeah, in yeah, today. Right. Anecdotes are us about this. Um, I, I read it in Rotterdam, and they put it in, uh, in, in a Dutch publication with the English next to it, and they did a misprint. So where, where it says, back on dry land, I shouldn't think these things, big paws, which idly turn to bat the air, they put pig paws, which <laughs> idly turn to bat the air. <laughs> which kind of improves it. <laughs> Um, one of the thing, one of the themes that will come up today is one of um, perhaps how we can know or imagine the experience of others, yeah. um, and there are, there's a, definitely a few contentions, or, and there will be disagreements about how tenable an idea of empathy yeah. is, or whatever that might mean. Um, and I know Richard Holloway. One of the things he wrote in his book, and we might talk about this later, is how. Um, Though things like religion and perhaps science can't necessarily explain the world, poetry and literature can at least go some way towards expressing its sorrows, its experiences and its, its victories, and perhaps through that expression, um, generalise that knowledge so that we can begin to imagine what it might feel like to be others, including yes. a mythic character having interspecies sex. Have you got a view on whether the imagination can be somehow transferred to others through acts of poetry or literature. Is that tenable or is that, are we just kidding ourselves? Is it really unreasonable to assume we can ever know what anyone else experiences? I, I think that imaginative projection is, is basic to humans and probably some other species as well, since we're talking about interspecies matters. Um, certainly for our own selves we do, we project forward and, and imagine ourselves in the future. And it's only one step further to imagine ourselves mm. in the shoes of others. Mm. And certainly for writers, and I, I would assume people in the medical profession too, that kind of projection into the state of others is, is essential. It's a kind of human curiosity too, mm. isn't it? What, what would it be like if I were X? And it's something that's always intrigued me. So you know, I've even got a poem um, from the point of view of a subatomic particle, mm. just because that was interesting. Or there's one about a lettuce in the fridge uh, <laughs> suffering from unrequited love and what it's like to be that. Um, I, I'm, I, I've also projected myself into to male characters mm. too, just things that are other, different, to, to put on that cloak and feel it. Um, for the kind of parameter that you set that question, though, is interesting me, to me because... Um, it seems that imagination is always coined together with reason as mm. oppositional. And I find that quite mm. interesting, and I, I wonder if we can challenge that. Is mm. that, is that a necessary conflict. position mm. or conflict? Mm. Um, it's, it's certainly been true on different sides. I mean, I, I guess Aristotle would have come down on, re on the side of reason. Mm. Romantic poets, someone like Keats, would have come down on the side of the imagination. In his mm. famous statement about negative capability, he talks of um, uh, his idea of, of the perfect man not reaching after irritable fact or reason. Mm. Um, but I wonder, you know, certainly for writers, whether, if you like, those two things are brought together. I would hope they are. It's a, it's a conflict you see in religion too. You know, it's like the religion of the book and the religion of the spirit. 
um, the kind of ecstatic versus the formal, whereas in any piece of writing, both things, the kind of formal and ecstatic, ecstatic needs to come together. Yes. Otherwise, there would be no audience. There'd be no connection with an audience. And is that process of reconciling these two ways of apprehending the world then essentially well arguably done through metaphor is metaphor something that is actually at its front a way of framing the way we perceive the world because we talk about metaphors yeah. you give examples of metaphors and we see them as kind of you know things over there but actually i just wonder whether you have a view whether metaphor extended metaphors like myths even yeah. are ways of framing existence I'm, I'm a great fan of um that writer on metaphor, George Lakoff, who, who would say that was absolutely true, that, that um, in, in a sense, because metaphor is a kind of analogy, um, we can take that right down to the roots of language because words are analogous to the things they describe. Mm. So if you like, making analogies is basic to what we do as humans mm. right from the beginning of language. Mm. We compare and, and communicate through that through those means. Um, but just going back, back to Keats, the other aspect of, um, you know, because I don't want to diss him, even though he did say, um, I would rather give a sugar plum to a woman than my time. Um, <laughs> despite that, I love him. And um, one other aspect of negative capability, which is relevant to us here, is that idea of empathy exactly, that, that um, he would see having that kind of fluid sense of self able to kind of almost flow out into the landscape or the universe mm. as essential to both a writer and a human. He describes himself able to put himself of the body in the body of a sparrow, picking gravel outside the window just very easily like that. Mm. And it may be that, that it is one of those human uh, psychic abilities that we, we don't uh, foster Yes, enough. because? I don't know. No. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I just wonder if we might try, Tom, can we try and ring in yeah. John Burnside in Fife? <laughs> Thank you. So this is, this is destined to failure. Um, no. <laughs> Thank you. Is he in there? I think so. <laughs> Wait. <Where is> <laughs> I could just read a poem while you're doing that. Yes, go ahead. I'll just read another one as an example of um, trying to project into something else. In this case, it's a tree. I became very interested in how we think about trees. Um, we, we like to think about them like us, as humans, but in fact, they're rhythms, they're, you know, they are so unhuman, it's not true. But this is a, an attempt to make Welcome a connection. To the messaging service. <laughs> Keep trying it and trying it. It's the top number. <laughs> you keep getting more us. I know. Okay, since we can't make a telephonic connection, I'll make a tree connection for you now. This is called I Go Inside the Tree. 